Welcome to Fostering Solutions, a podcast that uplifts people and enterprises making positive impact in communities around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Foster. My guest today on Fostering Solutions is Frankie Walker or Frank Walker II. Frankie, how are you doing today? I'm good, Michelle. How are you? Thanks for having me. Pretty good. It's just great to be able to sit down with you here. So tell the audience about yourself. Who is Frank Walker II? Well, I am a product of a small town called Institute, West Virginia. Born and raised, proudly born and raised, went to South Charleston High School, graduate of West Virginia State College at the time, and then Marshall University, and then West Virginia University College of Law, and I'm currently pursuing my PhD at Robert Morris. So I'm a criminal defense attorney by trade. I like to call myself a full-time Uber driver for my kids <laughs> and just chaperone for their events. But I'm enjoying life at this time. My lovely wife, Jennifer, who's also a, a native of Williamson, West Virginia, but we've made our home in West Mifflin, Pennsylvania, and we're just living a good life. Yeah, make sure you say hi to Jennifer for me. Yeah. I will, I will, I yeah. will. So you are an award-winning attorney and you know, you've had a, a, a wonderful career where you've expanded from not only one law office, but you have one in Pittsburgh and one in Morgantown, West Virginia. So describe your career trajectory. How, what hurdles have you had to overcome any hurdles? What has your journey been like? It, it's been up and down. I think most of my hurdles have been self-placed. I mean, you always have the self-doubt about what you can and can't do. You hear all these different people coming from these name brand institutions and you also start to doubt yourself because naturally you're comparing yourself and your track to what they're doing. But the reality is, I hate to use all these cliches, but everyone starts the same. Everyone gets up every morning, they get dressed every morning and they go into work and they have the same amount of time. So it's just about having the tenacity as we do as West Virginians, we're always known as working hard, being resourceful and continue to work at a problem till, till we solve it. So that's been, my biggest struggle has been self-placed hurdles over time. I've had a lot of support from family members, friends, people who have pushed me along the way. And I wouldn't be here without my, my wife and support and my, my family and their support. So it's very important to all the people listening to make sure you have a strong core group of friends who have similar values and the trajectory you want to go in. Because I, the friends I have today are, are my day one friends from years ago, from, from the 80s. We're growing mm -hmm. up on the stoop. We all talked about succeeding and, and going our different routes and we held each other accountable. So that's the, that's the most important thing in my life. And I want to tell all the listeners and viewers today. That, that is so true. Just having your support, your, your network, your, you know, the people you can rely on, right? Through thick and Absolutely. thin. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So this series that I'm doing is on leadership. Okay. And um, I believe, you know, leadership is about skills and attitudes and behavior, certain things that you can learn. So what do you think you have to, what did you have to learn in order to achieve the success that you have? Listening. I mean, Covey talks about listening first to understand, mm -hmm. then to be understood. That was a very important lesson to me because a lot of times we like to listen to respond or, or right. listen to have a reply to what the person's saying and get our point across. 
it was very hard for me to learn how to listen and learn how to be aware. If, you, if you're not aware of the conversations you're having, of the, the season you're in and the season that person may be in, it just being aware of all your surroundings of what's going on around you socially, economically. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in this world we have to, to address and a lot of things we, we need to address. But if you're not aware and being present in that situation where you're dealing with problem solving, then you're going to you find yourself just jumping at every single thing. Right. And if you're just not attuned to what's going on, it's very difficult to, to become successful and, and remain on the successful track. So, so listening and being aware of your of everything, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So when you think about leadership, everyone's got a certain leadership style. You know, the, the way in which you provide direction and implement plans and, and motivate people. What would you say your leadership style is? I would say servant, servant leadership. I like to be involved. I, I don't like people to follow me because I'm influencing them or I'm persuading them. I like for us to go together. And I think that's the most important trait of a, a leader is to be able to, if, if you're not able to do the same thing you're telling people who are, you want to follow you to do, if you're not able to do the same thing or do it better, then you're not in a position to lead them. I think it's very important that you work your way up and, and also continue to go back down where you came from and continue to retrain your mind. So you show your employees, your coworkers, and your colleagues that you're still capable of doing the dirty work and doing the same frontline work that you're asking all the other workers to do. So if you're not willing to do that or not able to do that, it's very difficult for you to leave. So I think that's the most important, more, most important trait in servant leadership is to be able to also work around people and work with people and bring them along with you. Lifting as you climb, if you will. Absolutely, absolutely. How big is your team now that you're you're in two states? You've got a, how large is the team that you lead in your practice? I'm a team of two. I okay. have a paralegal slash secretary slash legal assistant who does it all. So when I'm on the road going, running from court to court, She's mm -hmm. in the office handling all the calls, managing the files, the caseload, and doing everything. But I, I get a lot of phone calls, which, which is great, a great problem to have. Mm -hmm. But I like to refer out different cases that I'm unable to take. Okay. And it also keeps other people in the loop and it keeps them involved in a criminal process. Because I have a group of colleagues who I trust who, got, who would cover cases for me. And likewise, they trust me to cover cases for them. So it's a very small knit community. And I like to, to call them my team members. But in reality, it, it's a team of two. Okay, gotcha. So what coaching, because we, you know, some, we, we all um, through, through our growth have experienced and whether it's formal or informal coaching from others, what coaching have you received and how did it impact your, uh, your career? A lot of reading, a lot of reading, mm -hmm. a lot of listening and a lot of mentors along the way. You know, obviously my, my parents, a father and mother growing up, and yet a lot of, we had a lot, we were fortunate to have a lot of mentors in our communities. You know, you, you had the, the pastors, the coaches, the professors. And I know if I start naming names, I'll forget <laughs> some people. But the reality is we call them old heads growing up. Oh, listen to old head. He trying to drop some knowledge on us. But that information was helpful. I mean, it was wisdom because not only did they have the knowledge, but they had the life experience to back it up. So when they're hanging on the fence at the football games and they see you Friday night, then they see you Saturday and they're trying to coach you up. Those are the, the conversations I, I really, I really cherish because 
moving on down the road, later on down the road, I'm now on that same fence right. talking to those young men and women with those conversations. So it was not necessarily a formal education, which mm-hmm. I, I've been through that. I've done the necessary training, but I think a lot of my leadership capabilities and leadership abilities came from speaking to some of the quote unquote old heads and mentors and family members in my community and in my group. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So based on your experience now, so you, you've been practicing how many years as an attorney? I started in 2005, so that seven, 17 years. Wow, it's a long time flies. Yes. So what would you say are some keys to um, effective leadership that you've experienced and you've used, whether it's, you know, in your practice or in your um, social organizations, I know you're very involved in the community and your community work. Like, what do you think are some keys to effective leadership? Yeah, I mentioned listening. I listened to being, uh, I mentioned being aware. I think also being accountable for, for your actions. Many times we, we like to cover up the mistakes. We like to cover up the failures, the missteps, but a lot of people can learn from that because they see you at this level, but they don't know what it took to get to that level. They don't know the mistakes and and the the disappointments you had over the years. So a lot of times when you're telling your story, you wanna wanna tell them in a way that you're also being accountable and letting them know that it it is obtainable because of you're just like them. You're just like they were a few years ago. And you've, you've been in a position where you failed. You've been in a position where you almost flunked out. You've been in a position where you had to take the exam again. You've been in all those positions but if you're not telling your story truthfully and being accountable for what you've done and being accountable for your mistakes and when you're telling your story, I think that's most important. So listening, being aware and being accountable, to me, those are the most significant traits a leader should have. So it's not only just telling them the good things, right? But telling them the, you know, the obstacles and the, the failures and, and everything. Yeah, a, a lot of times people people want to they want to focus on I call it the the Facebook and Instagram stories. Everything's everything's great. The angle's great. The lighting's good, but they don't see the bad pictures. They don't see yeah. the drafts. And I think people need to see that. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started your career those seventeen plus years ago? What what did you what do you know now that you wish you knew then? Networking, networking. A great man here in Pittsburgh who, who passed away recently, Ralph Watson. He he's fond of saying, increase your net work by increasing your increase your net worth by increasing your network. And I never knew what that meant, but now that I'm doing this, I've been doing this for a while, I'm I'm learning what that means. And I wish I knew that earlier because you always like to, everyone likes to go in their little they go into their tunnel, they go into their little silos and they're working and they're making money. They make their their their, their certain amount, whether it be five figures, six figures, whatever. And they, they want to keep it to themselves, keep the information to themselves and they don't want to share it with anyone. Well, if you would have networked with other people and, and learn your classmates, your, whether it be in law school, graduate school, undergraduate, and kept in contact with them, you could have had a phone, you would have a phone call away from another big deal or another a client or another consumer or just the opportunity to do something different 
just by talking and speaking to people, but you didn't want to do that because you thought success meant hoarding it all to yourself. And you thought everyone had the same mindset you did, which they don't. People are networking and getting jobs and getting opportunities mm -hmm. simply, by, simply by talking to other people and in opportune times and keep having those conversations open and making sure that they know you exist and what you do. So when something comes up, you're top of mind and they can just make a phone call to you or vice versa. Something mm -hmm. comes up and you're able to help someone else out. You can make that phone call. So I wish I knew that earlier in my career that I'd be able to put that into practice sooner. So do you, do you see that there's a difference between like a cultural difference with that? Because I, I feel the same way. There are things that I wish I had done um, better earlier on, but it's like you, because I, I found myself just figuring, you know, focusing on getting the work done, as in getting stuff done in the office and, you know, producing outputs and outcomes and stuff, but not taking the time to do exactly that. Do you think people from different cultures are, are taught differently to do that than we are as, as you know, Black folks? I, I, I do. I do, unfortunately. I, I see in our community and in our culture, it is a, it's a look at me, look at what I have, look, look at me, I'm better, I'm doing better than you. I, I, I'm winning right now. I have this, this, and this. It's not at, like, look what we can do collectively right. as a group right. and as a unit. We don't move as a unit like other cultures do. It's, it's, it's always to look at me, I, I can get here first. I got here faster. I have this, that, and the other. You right. don't. You know, I'm winning, we're not winning. Other cultures look at it as we need to win and we can win. But we, we've yet to get to that point. And that's that's disappointing. It really is. Right. It, it is. And I wonder, it, it just the way we, I think we're just, you know, um, that's just kind of how we grow up, I think, sometimes. It's not just not being aware of the of the great impact that a network can have. Yeah. yeah and, and it's what we see. It's what we see, what we see in, in the right. media. Is what we're, what we're taught and what, what's branded over and over again. When you see people who look like you over and over mm -hmm. and over again, being me first in videos, being me, talking me first in songs, right, being me right. first on the news media, then that's what you think it takes to be successful, or that's what you think you have to act like when you become successful. Mm -hmm. And that's what not, that's not what it should be. Absolutely. So I know you're a hardworking attorney. You're also a philanthropist, and and in in folks often think that. To be a philanthropist, you have to have like Oprah money. But when you give your time and your talent and your treasures to someone else, you're a philanthropist. So why don't you kind of, you talk some about the work that you do in the community, both uh, in Pittsburgh and in uh, West Virginia? You're always responsible for 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 your home. You always want to take care of home, and, and West Virginia's home. Pittsburgh's been great to me. They have embraced me, and I call this my second home. But but. Growing up in West Virginia, there's a stereotype that, you know, we can't do, we're slower, we're more behind, we're, we're not as progressive, we're not as aware, but we're just as aware and progressive as anyone else. But the, the pivotal moment for me, I think it was probably, I think it was 13 or 14 years old, and we were playing AAU basketball, and we had, we had qualified to be one of the teams, I think two teams from the state to go to Orlando. And we were raising money, going door to door, taking donations. And I always thought to myself, why don't we have some of these sponsors who have their names on the jerseys, just write us a check so we can go to X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. 
So at 13, you were thinking that. I, I was probably, I think it was four, 14 or four, 14 or 15. Still, I remember yeah, seeing yeah. like fast check on someone's yeah. shirt or, or United Bank or One Valley Bank on someone's shirt. I said, why don't we have like a business that's right as a check so we don't have to go door to door. So mm -hmm. I thought about that. And then weeks later, the coach called a meeting and he said, you know, we didn't raise the money. We're not able to go. And it was so disappointing. And I noticed after that event, there were some of those players where, but for that team and but for being involved in that activity, they would have gone somewhere else. But now that activity was gone and they did go somewhere else. I mean, some mm -hmm. tremendous athletes mm -hmm. from, from all over the, the city and in Kanawha Valley. And they end up going in different directions. And it, I think it harmed them because they didn't have that structure of the event. So I always vow, I said later on, I said, whenever I get to where, where I'm going, I don't know where that's going to be. If I ever have the opportunity, I'm, go I'm going to give back if I can. And I'm going to give back in a way that shows that I, I, I am, I'm involved and I'm aware that people are trying to do better things. And But for that event, they could be doing worse things. Like when I see people doing lemonade stands and I tell my kids, bake sales, you always stop and support if you can, because they could be doing so much worse. So many other things they could be doing. They could be sitting at my office across from me with a criminal yeah, complaint in their hand exactly. because they just got arrested. But mm -hmm. those, those activities kind of keep people accountable in different ways and away from the elements that we don't want them to go to. So anytime I can do that, I, I try to. So I've been fortunate enough to, to be, have some success in different types of businesses I have. And I try to give back when I can and where I can. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, that's awesome. So as you look to the future, you've got a, a growing family and how old are your girls now? They're, they're growing up so quickly. 18 and 13. 18, oh my gosh, when yes. did that happen? Wow. Fast. It happened fast. It's gracious. Yeah. So when you look to the future, what gives you hope? You know, you got this family growing and what, what gives you hope as you look to the future? I see a lot of the younger generation, they're starting to get it. It is not just black and brown people, it's the white people also. When I looked at the protests and the marches, yeah. when we had all these unfortunate events, it wasn't just black people out there. There were white people, there were Asian people, Latino people, everyone coming to grips with the reality that we have a problem in America, a social problem, a, a social justice problem. And everyone was marching in the same direction, being aware of what was going on. And that, that does give me hope. It does give me hope that it's not just us screaming from the hilltops that there is an injustice in our, in our system. It's everyone and, and they're holding hands and they're joining voices and they're going in the direction of progression. And that, that does give me hope that maybe some things will change. It's not gonna happen tomorrow. I get that, it, it's not gonna happen next year, but at least they're starting to pay attention. People are starting to pull out their cameras and film events that has, have nothing to do with them, but they're only filming it because they know the odds are it's gonna turn bad when it's involving a black or brown person. That is unfortunate, but at least we have allies that are looking in all directions for, for injustice to make sure it's filmed and preserved to bring to the light later on. So that does give me hope. Yeah, that's true. And even, even when you think back in, to, in the days of like Dr. Martin Luther King, there were always people from, you know, there were people from different backgrounds there walking with him as well. So that, that is encouraging. So any parting words? This, was, this went by very quickly. When, any parting words? For the audience no, no I, just, I just i i thank you for this opportunity and give me this space to to 
say, share a couple words, share my, my history, my story. I mean, there are other people out there who have similar stories, but they're, they're not in my position, so they get overlooked. But there are some people out there in, in, who are coaching, who, who are dads and moms and teachers, who, who are leaders, who, you know, but for their position, other children wouldn't be where they are. So when I go back, I still have coaches from major league, high school and college who I call coach to this day. And to me, those are the people who are on the front lines with, with, with our children and our future, the teachers and the Sunday school teachers and the pastors who see these kids on a regular basis, sometimes more than the parents see the kids, unfortunately, but they are continuing to do the work, doing God's work and doing what they can to make sure that we have a better and brighter future. So definitely reach out to them. And I know there are a lot of people in that area and teachers don't get the, they don't get the recognition that they deserve because they I mean, you can go years, 15, 20 years, and there are students who will go back and talk to a second grade teacher because they remember something they said, or they remember a coach that helped them as a seventh grader and gave them a word of encouragement and told them also, hey, don't forget, make sure you're studying because that's the most important thing or reminded them to take the ACT or the SAT or whatever the standardized test is now and, and, and encourage them and put a word of, of uplift into them that they can do and do and do and say better things. And that's to me, that's, those are the, those are the heroes. Those are the real people. I'm, I'm thankful to be here, but I love to hear from some, some of those people also, but thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.